You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Welcome back to another episode of VHS Gems, Geek Elite Media's podcast in which we open up the treasure box of movies from our childhood that came out on VHS and determine whether or not those movies are the gemstones that they are or whether or not they've turned to dust or if they should be repolished and redone for a more modern age. Um... Today, we are going over our first anime, I think, because I don't remember if they did. Yeah, they probably didn't do an anime in the first season. Um, First anime from 1988, I would say the anime that started the American audience wanting more anime in the 90s, um, which would be Akira, which I thought I had watched before, but apparently I had not because I did not remember any of it. Now, I want to go so far as to say that um, we have done the first animation period um, in VHS Gems, as opposed to the previous season. I don't think they covered any animation whatsoever. Oh, yeah, because we did the Secret of Nim a couple weeks ago. And, yeah, so I felt like when I was making up the list of gems, I felt like I had to include Akira, because it's just one of those... Well, it came out in 1988, and it's also one of those movies that fueled other movies. Oh yeah, I think like a lot of a lot of Hollywood like does throwbacks to Akira or copies Akira, um, like The Matrix. I think is one of them that does that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's. it's I think Blade Runner was um, to America what Akira was in Japan, where. It was like movies afterwards were just forever like changed because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm Jessica from Geek Elite Media, and joining me is John. This is John. And we're going to be talking about anime, Akira. Um, mm-hmm. Are you an active anime watcher, John? I'm going to say no, not anymore. Not since, like, my high school days, I want to say, which sadly ended in the late 90s. Um, So, yeah, you young people with your Inuyashas and your Yukios. Ow. (laughs) And your Kikyo. Fuck that bitch. (laughs) I I don't know what any of that stuff is. I'm I'm from, like, the OGs. Um, I mean, technically, my... No, even before that, my love of anime really goes back to the 80s with things like Transer Z, also known as Messenger Z. Um, Okay. Voltron. Robotech probably is what my biggest anime childhood love is. Um, Okay. And, uh, yeah, we'll to some of those later on when we talk about its uh, lasting repercussions and remake potentials. Okay. Um, yeah, I am definitely one of those Inuyasha kids. Legit <laughs> was the first anime that I had ever watched um, back when I was in junior high. And I became pretty addicted to that Adult Swim Saturday night 
anime. I didn't understand what was going on ever. I think Inuyasha is pretty simple, but like, what is it? Fooly Cooly was on at the time, and I was like, I don't know what this is about, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I think that's yeah. one I, I didn't understand till probably the third watch through was I like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, I saw something called time. Escaflone, like cross my way once. I'm like, nope. Oh, Escaflone's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, but like nowadays, I mean, lately, because of everything we have to watch for our other podcast geeks watch, I've kind of slowed down on my anime and Justin, but I used to watch uh, like everything from those slices of lives, like Orange and then to like things like Attack on Titan, I watched for a bit, Escaflown, all that crazy stuff. So I, I do watch a pretty decent amount of anime for quite a few years. I've just a lot but i apparently had never watched akira um and i kind of feel bad for that because it's the anime that started a sort of anime boom in america yeah um it was the first um japanese anime that was treated with the same respect that a feature link most motion picture would have which it was it was released in theaters and i mean it was at the time the animation in America, the only thing that could come close to that was stuff being put out by Disney, and yeah, it was this is not Disney. Yeah, yeah, this is far <laughs> from it. This is rated R. This is violent, um, much like the Secret of Nim, our last VHS gem that we uh, watched that was animated, was my first introduction to animated blood. This was my first introduction to animated boobies. I was waiting for it. It's gonna be boobies. <laughs> yeah, that was not a nice scene though. But it, yeah, it was not. The context was not ideal, but. No, it it was not. Um, I just it, this was a really good film. Um, I ended up because I really wanted to pay attention to it because you generally have to pay attention to anime. I watched this with subtitles, mainly because I do prefer subtitles. I feel like it's a better translation than dubbed, um, and also I tend to like the voices better untitled than dubbed. Um, but also, if I watch something, I find it really hard to not get distracted. Like, it forces me to really pay attention to it as opposed to, like, scrolling through Facebook. I'm one of those people that I'm like, if it's not holding my attention or is confusing, I'll just start scrolling Facebook. So I watched the subtitle to force myself to pay attention to Akira because I knew it was going to confuse the crap out of me. And it still confused the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not something you can just take in and be like, mm, yeah, that was a nice story. No, this, <laughs> this, 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 this gets you. Yeah, no, it it definitely does. Um, did you watch it subbed or? No, I definitely watched it subbed. I mean, I understand the whole debate with... Like, well, you have to watch it in its original whatever. And it's like, you know what? The translation is going to be different no matter what. Okay. Um, I'd rather be able to just watch it and not have to be. And, and I don't mind subtitles. I'll watch things with subtitles. But uh -huh. certain things, like I watch this dubbed and with subtitles. I just, and that it, for me, that feels better. I don't, I don't always necessarily look at the subtitles. I just okay. like it better that way. Cause, um, mostly because of my hard of hearingness. Um, mm. I think I enjoy it more if I can kind of follow on with, along what they're saying with what's written. And if I don't mm -hmm. have to look at it, then I'm fine. Oh, okay. All right. That's, that's fair. Yeah, it is that huge debate. But really, it's like, if you like anime, just watch it how you want to watch it. Like, yeah. I know. I watch subbed when I want to pay attention to it. I watch dubbed when I have other stuff to do. <laughs> Like, you're not, not going to get arrested by the anime police. Yeah, no, you're not. Just just 
be you. There's no yeah. gatekeeping in just anime. In, 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 enjoy yeah. life. It's the only one we yes. get, people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Akira. Um, you did send me a video that explained the differences between the anime and the manga, which were made by the same person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to blank on their name. Katsuhiro Otomo. Oh, thank you. Um, Otomo, um, he I have a did... Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Katsuhiro <laughs> Otomo. There you go. you got a really cool book. Um, he was writing the manga still when he got i guess i guess you could say movie rights to make the anime yeah too, he got but greenlit the project yeah greenlit the project so he got to work on both things but he didn't finish the manga till after the anime had already came out so the anime finishes ha- at the halfway point of the manga and i'm just really curious why we didn't get a part two of the anime <laughs> like I'm going to guess it was just um, overly ambitious. I mean, there there was a lot of work poured into this animation. And we'll have to talk about that more in detail here in just a bit. But um, yes, by like Disney quality animation, I mean, this mm-hmm. was like no detail was spared. They really... Um, there's other videos that I wanted to send you, but just for the purposes of time, <laughs> I just kept it to this one. Um, awesome. But there are some that actually break down, like, the animation and, Ooh. like, how closely the animation follows realistic physics in a lot of things. For, like, people... F- like, there's a lot of things that happen with high speed, a lot of violent scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, people basically turn into ragdolls in certain parts. And yeah. yeah, like their bodies move with like real physicality and weight to them. And yeah, I actually noticed that with the when the guy was getting shot. Yeah, I was like, it was very realistic <laughs> movement. I was like, ooh. Yes, it's 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 it takes that anime. to like another degree. Um, <laughs> this this is like an expert, uh, just a master class of animation. And um, one of the things that they talk about in one of these videos that I've seen is. The attention to detail is so specific that there are certain scenes that don't even last a full second. In animation terms, that's still several frames of like drawn, you know, artwork, but it doesn't even last a full second. And it's just real quick things that flash here and there. And yet they still have the same attention to detail as some of the crazier oh, yeah. stuff that happens that is like more set piece. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, that's really hard to sustain. <laughs> you know, like, it's probably super expensive to, to even get it done. I don't even know. I haven't seen any figures for it. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it had to be pretty up there. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this is probably the most expensive anime produced in Japan for a very long time afterwards. Hmm. I guess the only thing I can compare it to is, like, Studio Ghibli quality. The yep. Ghibli is like softer in texture, I guess. Yeah, and like if that Mi- makes sense. Miyazaki but, stuff. They're they're more yeah. about um I wanna say the feeling. They're kinda like yes. the, the Pixar, but with hand drawn animation of Japan. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like not that he doesn't have like some kind of graphic like Princess Mononoke I think would be the closest to Akira, at least of the Ghibli films that I have watched. I've watched most of them, but not all of them. But Mononoke is very graphic and violent, and there's scenes of it, like the way they treat blood in it, reminds me a lot of Akira. Um, so, yeah, according, which, to, 
According to Wikipedia, it cost $5.5 million, which was the most expensive anime um, up until Kiki's Delivery Service. Kiki, see? That's who I thought it would be. All right. And then, now, Akira wasn't up for any awards in America, was it? But Studio Ghibli did get, what was it, Spirited Away was nominated for Film of the Year, I think? Oscars? Um, I don't know if it won any awards in America. Um, at least not at the time. I think later on it got, like, an achievement in animation, but, like, mm. decades later. Hmm. It deserved rewards. It was, well, I guess it was really confusing, but it's a really good film. So, because I watched it subbed, I did not manage to write notes to go through the plot with this. Um, I That's do okay. Have, we wouldn't be able to simplify it anyway. I know, right? I do have the Wikipedia page pulled up, though, to help me out a little bit through going through what's happening in this world. Um, do you have anything else to say before we actually dive into Akira? So, yes, before you dive into it, I just wanted to say that the movie takes place in 2019, and it really hurts me in a special place when I think about the fact that movies that were supposed to take place in dystopian futures are now in the past. <laughs> that I'm like, wow. Where's my dystopia? Dang it. I need to be the chosen <laughs> oh. one within my dystopia. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I'm waiting for the world to collapse before I actually, like, give a shit and start doing things um yeah that was just my little tidbit before we jump right into it all right so this takes place in 2019 in following the i think it said world war three in neo tokyo which is the tokyo that is after i i feel like it got bombed again and so they built another tokyo I think that's what I was supposed to get out of the beginning. Yeah. Or was the beginning the future? I don't even know because several things happened. But, um, and this new Neo Tokyo is plagued by anti government protests, a bunch of terrorism, and then also kid gang violence. Um, and that's when we get introduced to Kaneda and. He is the guy on the, the red bike, which if you know anything about Akira, like, at all, you know that gorgeous, like, poster of the red bike, like, mid-skid. Just this gorgeous bike, in which this was where I thought I had watched Akira, and then I was like, oh, maybe not. Maybe I was just thinking of that poster and thinking I had to watch that, because that looks utterly awesome. Um... Yeah, it the bike really has lot. nothing to do with the plot, but <laughs> um, but he he's like leading his little kid gang with his best friend Tetsuo um, on a rivalry motorcycle gang fight all throughout Tokyo. Um, they're fighting. What was it? The clowns, I think. Which are these guys that have crazy yeah. clown face paint, and they're just like killing people and like throwing people off bikes Kaneda has the awesome red bike Tetsuo actually kills somebody I think he hits one of them with like his lead pipe thing in the head I'm pretty sure that person's dead and or but at least severely brain damaged <laughs> yeah or severely brain damaged but um 
And while this is happening, you have this huge anti-government protest going on. And then also while that protest is happening, you have this guy trying to sneak this child away from something. You don't know what. Um, this guy ends up getting caught. This all happens within like 20 minutes, by the way. Like, not, not even 20 minutes. Like not the even first 20 minutes. 10 minutes, I want to say, all of that happens. <laughs> They're the little they're gang turf war because it's all happening while they're in high speed. They're just yeah. tearing through the, the city and there's all kinds of collateral damage happening. You see like a car that just gets destroyed in the middle of it. This somebody yeah. gets their head bashed in that's just trying to have dinner in the restaurant with his date, it looks like. Yeah, this poor lady. I don't because it was a woman that got hit by the motorcycle, I think, actually. She should have got ran over by a motorcycle on her face. So just right through the window like ooh, this is the world we're in now this dystopia world um so (laughs) this guy is running away with this little kid or what you assume is a little kid and he ends up running into an area i shouldn't have he shoots at the cops for some reason in that area gets murdered like just gets shot by a whole line of police because that's the state that we're in in this neo tokyo and he tells the kid to run away and that's when you get the first shot of the kid and it's like a kid but he looks like a walking corpse it's the only (laughs) way i can describe it his name is like a zombie kind of yeah like a zombie yeah his name is takashi uh you find out a little later on he is an what they call an esper which is basically kids that can use esp um i do kind of like the name esper though (laughs) and the kid does run away and he runs right into tetsuo right after tetsuo killed that guy tetsuo is about to run over this kid and he stops and or tries to stop and instead his bike explodes (laughs) because you find out the kid has esp and he basically used his ESP to protect himself from getting run over. And then... Yeah, Tetsuo's injury, Kanata catches up to them, and then the government comes and swoops in with this other corpse-like kid in, like, a futuristic wheelchair thing. And they pick up Takashi, and they take Tetsuo, and they arrest um, Kanata and the rest of the gang. Yeah. That's the only way I can say <laughs> that that is it. And I remember at this point I had paused it to go do something and I looked and I was like, It's only been thirty minutes. Like so much has happened in this film. And it's only been thirty minutes. Like yeah, you're is... you're just you're just thrown in to the plot and you just have to like hang on to your seat, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the plot keeps on keeps on coming. Um, so while Kaneda is getting interrogated by the police, that's where he meets Kai. She is an activist within the resistance. She's one of our female roles. She's a strong, badass woman fighting to resist the government because government sucks. Not quite sure why. I just assume in the way that most governments suck. They don't really, at least in the anime, I know the manga is significantly longer. In the anime, they don't really... Like, is it a super controlling government? Is yeah, there a it looks dictator? Like it's, it like, looks like it's kind of a police state. 
kind of yeah like kind of fascist i guess yeah not like super obvious but yeah like you can tell they they're they're a little too quick with the military presence on the streets yeah a little very quick um then again they have like bike gangs going by and killing people all the time well i mean it's 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 dystopian (laughs) neo-tokyo it's what you do yeah that's what you do i can't believe this is 2019 um (laughs) so he meets kai he gets her he basically gets her out of being arrested along with them because the cops pretty much realize they're just school kids whatever who cares and like the school will punish them i guess is kind of what it is and he gets kai out instantly starts flirting with her because she's cute and she just doesn't fall for it at all well she's got more important things on her mind and kaneda's just like hey you're hot in fact i think that's exactly what what he says when he sees her picture yeah what is this thing he kept on wanting to go get tea with her you want to go get some tea (laughs) let's just go get some tea i got you out of jail let's go get some tea come on he just wanted to go get tea with her but she had other things to do and she was going to focus on those things and that other thing was resistance but um at the secret facility you find out that tetsuo has the same esp psychic abilities that takashi had the little kid had and and how they found this out was through like a blood test that made music noises and i'm still trying to understand it and i don't think i ever will it was cool i like the music noises it sounded very nice i don't know how that's blood test i don't know how that determines you have esp or not See, that's just uh, plot contrivances. What you really should focus on in that scene is how awesome the animation was in all of the MRI equipment. Because every single oh, yeah. piece of that machine was a moving component. That and, machine. Yeah, MRI looked, of the future. <laughs> it looked really, really cool, yeah. But yeah, yeah. basically, they somehow they found out, like, oh, this kid has... Uh, it was like a genetic marker that showed a predisposition for the Esper ability. Mm-hmm. Um and the doctor that was examining him was like, oh, it, it looks like it almost matches that of Akira, which is what kind of, st- that's the first time we mention, we hear mention of the name, um, which is the namesake of the movie. And that's going to yeah. factor heavily for the rest of the movie. Cause, uh, Who is Akira? It basically yeah. seals Tetsuo's fate. <laughs> yep. So you found out Tetsuo is also an Esper and... They let him out. Or does he escape? I don't even quite remember. I think they just let him out or release him for some reason, just to see what happens. No, he escaped. Um, oh, he does escape. They went to go check on him, and he was gone. He's like went back to oh, yeah. like his girlfriend, I guess. He was like all bandaged up and everything. All um, right, he went to Kaori. Um, he stole the bike. That's what happened. So while Kaneda is at school getting punished for being in a bike gang um tetsuo escapes and then he goes to get that really awesome red bike as well as his girlfriend kaori the poor girl um she i did want to point out one detail here that i kind of liked um that all of the gang members basically have their own little groupie that follows each one of them yeah and uh (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I just like that, like, it follows a pecking order because you could tell that the one that's oh, with Tetsuo is, like, the homeliest of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's just got, like, a plain little tank top and just kind of, like, her hair's uh-huh. messier. And the, and, but the guys girl, don't even yes. seem to care. Like, they're, the one that's hanging off of Kaneda, like, he couldn't even, like, like, Bother. He doesn't even care about her. Yeah, even though he's but, got groupies. But yeah, like yeah the, they're all there for them. They're called um, skirt chasers. That's what the girls kept calling them. Was like just a skirt chaser. I don't know if that's what they say in the dub version, but in the subbed version, they call them skirt chasers. Like Ka- Kai calls Kanata when he's like hitting on her. Like you're just another skirt chaser. Like get out of my life. I have okay. more important things to do. I think and that then was the same they, word they used actually. Yeah, and then they lose their their bikes. The groupie girls are like, eh, they're just nothing but skirt chasers now. We're done. Like, oh, yeah, no, without, uh, okay. in that scene, without the bikes, the girl said they're just, what did she say? They're just fish without water or something like that? Like, it was a weird yeah, that analogy. Was, that was repeated a lot. You're a fish without water and <laughs> something, I can't remember. There was something about it in the subbed version, too, where they kept on going back to that analogy. Because they didn't have their bikes, but then they did still have their bikes, so I got really confused. But, um, so Tetsuo steals the red bike from Kanata to escape, and he ends up running right into the clowns, who very viciously attack Kiori. Kiori, sorry, Kiori. Um, and Tetsuo can't do anything about it, but. Kanata comes in and saves the day and this is where you get that Kanata and Tetsuo have been friends for a long time and Kanata's always coming in to rescue Tetsuo and Tetsuo's clearly not okay with that anymore and then this is also where you get that he, Tetsuo gets very severe migraines because of his Esper abilities Yeah, it's starting to hurt his head a lot Um, then I guess is that when yeah. the military I guess they were tracking him somehow like I don't know if they were tracking his ability yeah see that's why I felt like he didn't escape I felt like they kind of sort of let him escape so that they could figure out if he actually had the ability or not but mm. I let, there's a lot happens in 45 minutes of this movie um, <laughs> this two hour movie a lot happens in this two hour movie I felt like I watched a five hour movie only it was actually good like the new I'd watch a Snyder, Snyder cut, cut of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would watch a Snyder cut of this movie. It would actually probably make sense. I don't think it would be 4 hours though. I feel like it only needs another hour maybe, but although I don't know a lot happens in the manga, so maybe it does need like 5 hours, but So the military comes back in, snatches up Tetsuo and leaves everybody behind. And that leads to Kaneda joining up with Kai's resistance cell. At first, because he just kind of saves her. She gets... Oh, he's near one of their attacks, and he sees her running away, and he chases her, saves her life. She shoots a police officer, but they manage to get away, and she kind of... You know, they kind of lock him up, not trusting him, thinking he's a spy. But he ends up escaping and overhearing that they have a plan to rescue Tetsuo from the super secret government agency. 
and he basically is like, I'm going to join you. That's my friend. I like, you're not going to believe this, but that's my friend. Like, I really want to help save him. So that's how he ends up with the resistance. Um, and while that's happening, Tetsuo is dealing with his migraines in basically a hospital-like room in the secret government area. And the other espers, Takashi and Kyoko, and I can't remember the name of the other kid, but Kyoko is the the girl, which she seems more like a prophet when it comes to her esper stuff. Like, she kind of predicts what's going to happen, so she already told this colonel-like guy that Tetsuo is basically going to cause the end of the world. Yep, yep. With Akira, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you've kind of already seen that Akira is kept under this Olympic stadium that was never finished in this big, I don't even know, machine thing. You don't know what that means, but you know Akira is in there. Um, yeah, it's like some kind of massive underground lab storage facility. They mentioned mm-hmm. it's it's like cold storage because they're like, oh, you need to put on your um, your uh, protective gear because it's cold. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all you get. And then for some reason, the the espers try to kill Tetsuo really creepily with the toys. It's a really creepy scene. It freaked me out a little bit. Looked really awesome, though. The little teddy bear and the bunny and the car. It's <laughs> just just walking, yeah. trying so to, like, punch out Tetsuo. The, you got the... Well, this is where the movie definitely starts taking a turn for the trippy. Yep, um, it does. Cause. Where, yeah, they're basically, they're, they're fighting him basically um, with psychological attacks. Oh, like, they're making them like hallucinate these things. But yeah. he's able to kind of counteract them because he can also have can the same abilities it. now. Yeah, He is very um, powerful. It just awakens his powers, I would say, if anything. It, it, it does it even more, yeah. But basically, yeah, I think they were trying to snuff him out quickly because they're like, well, if he's going to cause the end of the world, we need to like kill him you know for the great good try to prevent it <laughs> yeah so do something you know while you can and uh, they're not uh, successful no and simultaneously i think um the i guess the counter government insurgents then mm-hmm. enlist canada to kind of help them break in yep and they figure well maybe we can use him as like you know if things get rough like he can be bait or something or yeah scapegoat sacrif- yeah yeah. Um, so they're like, okay, we'll bring you along. Mm-hmm. And um, we got some they, pretty crazy detailed like sewers in this area. I have to say, like, oh yeah, the, the you know the part I'm talking about with the the rat, the rat, yeah, the rat with the maggots all on it, yeah, right in front of Kai's face. Like, I'm like, oh, was like, this this was animated, but that felt so disgusting. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, it did. And then the cool like drone pilot machine gun things i don't even yeah. know what those were but they were they were cool um so they have this fight in the sewers the um the resistance has this fight in the sewers and kaneda ends up getting on one of those drones and grabbing kai and saving her and through kai the esper kyoko tells Kaneda where to go how to get to Tetsuo 
because I think she recognizes Kaneda can hopefully stop him. I don't know why, but that's what well, she thinks. It's, yeah. it's, it seems to be revealed more in the manga from what I saw in yeah. the video that she also has Esper potential. So she was more susceptible to communicate that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Kai is supposedly another Esper. Which I think the anime did hint at pretty well. The fact that she could connect and also walk on water a little later on. You're like, oh, she's not fully human. Although the the um, the way they explained why espers exist, because they're like amoebas, really threw me off. I was like, what? Uh, like, a lot of this movie... So, we'll definitely get to it a little bit more later, I think, but... This movie and Godzilla, mm. I think, are such unique cultural products of Japan. Oh, yeah. That it's ingrained with their own identity. And there's a lot of stuff in that's... It's shorthand to Japanese people where they would understand that analogy yeah. as like something that means something more. And to us, that's like, what? That's why... Um, like I'm sure later we talk about like whether or not they should have a remake. It's like with the Godzilla American remakes and how Japan just did Shin Godzilla not too long ago, and how I that movie. That it's actually really good. So it it's a much simpler version of Godzilla compared to mm-hmm. what the American movies are, mm-hmm. but it's so much more closer to the actual spirit and feeling of what the original Godzilla. The original was. Godzillas, yeah. which are great, guess. And this one um, basically is is kind of that same feeling. It's like this one captures a very specific feeling of the zeitgeist of Japan. And the um, the description of the amoeba, although I thought it was kind of weird too. If you think yeah. about it like on a kind of like metaphysical level, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't at the time. When I was like a you know teenager, first time watching this, I'm like, man, this movie is weird, but it looks so cool. <laughs> um yeah, like it, it makes more sense later as like, oh, okay, so it's like not a, like a literal amoeba, but it's it's the closest approximation to basically what the what the power ultimately is, which is like it's just a thing that exists in the universe. Yeah, um, and it's, it's God. It, I think is what they kind of describe yeah. it as. It's it's, it's a it's, godlike power. It is yeah. life itself within itself. Yes. But the fact that they threw an amoeba in there, I'm like, but it was like a, just a total offhand thing too. Like they're just talking about it, and you're like, okay, I, I, okay, it is what you say it is, which I think is in a lot of anime as well. I mean, there's other animes I watched. Um, is it Escaflown? I think it is Escaflown that has well, like the Evangelion. Event that that's what it is. Evangelicon. That one, that one just. Like, yeah. you're just like, no. oh, this is like, not about the, what I the, thought it was about. There could be college courses on the, in, like, that s- series alone yeah. of, like, how crazy that is. That's actually, like, my favorite thing about anime is that it's such complex storylines <laughs> and such well-done animation. And just You know, like, oh, there is, there so is one anime but... I saw in the 90s. And it'll forever haunt me because I don't know how I could look it up. I only remember bits and pieces of it. Mm. But I remember that it takes place in like a fantasy kind of environment. Um, kind of like Nausicaa. Okay. Where it's kind of like uh, rolling hills and every now and then there's a large rock that kind of just juts out at an angle. 
and like okay. it's it's like an it's like an ancient civilization that's long past. So there's just a lot of ruins here and there scattered around. The closest I could describe it is like if you've ever played Shadows of the Colossus, and no, okay. But I, I, I can envision this. <laughs> that's a fantastic game, by the way. You should okay. check it out sometime. Um, but yeah, basically just like ruins here and there. Like obviously uh-huh. a great civilization was once here, but it's long gone. And it's just mm-hmm. like this character and this younger character just kind of like wandering through these meadows. It's like, I that's all I can remember about it. But it's, and that probably is so many different animes too. I know, that's a lot of things. <laughs> But um, it's it's I just. Know. But you I can't I even just remember nothing. if it was a harem or like mm. a. No, Ooh, I don't know. I just I, I mean... just I just remember bits and pieces. That's kind of the setting, and it was like mid '90s. That's all I could tell you. So it's any something that obviously happened either like from like '96 or prior, and. It was such a cool-looking environment. I don't remember the story at all. I, I do know that it was God. vaguely fantasy-based, so there might have been some supernatural elements. But I think it was just a couple of, like, well, like a person with a slightly younger person just wandering. I think they were both female. Or maybe the older one was female. The younger one might have been a boy. And it's just, like, in this fantasy setting with ruins and beautiful green hills the wind was blowing, so the grass had that little shimmer to it. You know, that's like, yeah. that's all I can remember. But it looks so cool, and I wish it could come back to me. Just Google that. Just Google all of that in the Google box <laughs> and see what happens. All right, so that's going to eliminate all of the mecha anime, but then I still have like... nineties. I don't know, I feel like it being in the 90s might help you out a little bit. Especially if you managed to watch it here in the americas so i I did and i'm pretty sure it was on tv but i was in la at the time so it might have been like a very specific channel that had it that might that might hurt your (laughs) (laughs) yeah for all i know it could have been public access and somebody just happened to be a fan of animation that put in a bootleg video i don't know oh yeah who knows um Back to Akira. Where were we? Okay, so Kanata f- finds Tetsuo, and Tetsuo's in the baby room trying to find the find oh. and kill the other Be- espers. Before we get to that point, though, we have the scene where he gets out of his um, oh his oh. hospital room. No, I was and- gonna skip over the just straight up exploding people from the inside out scene. Thank you, um- John. That's the best part. That. No, no, but that was not. great because okay. he he totally Doctor Manhattan those poor people like the doctor oh, and the two uh, like I guess they were our guards. Um, yeah, uh, they said like, hey, you can't be out here. You have to go back inside. Boosh. He's like boosh. Then they're just dripping from the ceiling. Uh, um, and that's when you, you start seeing that his uh, powers are definitely. See, this is one of the things I well, like. So he's about... crazy, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, crazy, crazy. <laughs> this movie also feels like like we've talked about just briefly some of the things that this movie itself must have influenced I saw a lot of Stranger Things here but I also saw something that may have influenced it which was Firestarter which was a Stephen King book which also was a movie because that was also about experimenting on people and giving them superpowers which Mm -hmm. also might be kind of a roundabout Stranger Things reference Um, 
But I just really like that about like a kid not realizing now he has all this psychic power, not being able to control it, realizing he has a bunch of power, and then just going completely just bonkers going with it. Going insane with it, yes. Um, he was not the person who should have had this crazy amoeba life within life itself power, but he got it and he was using it to explode people and go and kill these poor zombie kids because they tried to take him out before he could take them out. Um, as he's fighting those poor little zombie kids, Kanata and Kai come in and kind of fight him a bit. You get Kanata and Tetsu having this. Tetsu is like, you need to stop coming to my rescue. And he almost kills Kanata as well. He's just giving no shits about Kanata at all as he uses his psychic ability. No, this he is also. He ends up presenting Kanata for some reason because, like, we we get several flashbacks kind of sprinkled throughout where, like, you show that he was basically abandoned by his father at like a children's home, Mm -hmm. and he gets bullied and he feels ostracized. And Kanata is the only one that ever really stuck up for him, but he always had this little inferiority complex. You can tell that he was the Fredo of the group. He was always a little runt, kind of. Yeah. Um, And like that just took a complete one eighty with him. (laughs) He's the Peter Pettigrew from Harry Potter. Yeah, that would be a good way to put it. For all you Potter fans out there. For all you Potter friends. Um, Who only grew up on Inuyasha. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he just has this thick resentment. I think it comes from wanting to be Kanata or not wanting to depend on him. I'm sure there's a lot of psychological reasons why this happens. Um, Tetsuo is definitely a person who has gone through a lot of trauma in his life, which is what leads him down a dark path and using his powers for not so good. He uses it to kill willy-nilly, and he keeps on having these flashback visions of Akira, a name, Akira, and he figures out through his Esper powers that Akira is under the Olympic, the old Olympic stadium that was never completed. And so he does his quick fight there and then leaves to go find Akira. And everybody finds out that if he finds Akira, that's going to be the end of the world as we know it. From what it seems like. Yep. And, yep, and the do I even want to mention everything that's happening with the colonel and the resistance and that stupid counseling people? <laughs> um, I mean, just briefly, like, what happens there is they want to remove yeah. them from power. Yeah, This so there's this council of the government that wants to remove the colonel who is, like, overwatching all the Sakura stuff and whatever and doing as good of his job, I guess, he can with it. They want to kick him out because the resistance is finding out things that they shouldn't be able to find out. So they're blaming the colonel for it, when really you find out that the the, the one member of that council, I don't even remember his name, old dude with a heart problem, I think, he is actually the one selling to the resistance. And Kai's friend Ryu, I think was his name, Ryu, yeah. is working directly with him. So the resistance is working for this member of the council, so it's really a resistance working for the government, but that's how things are, I guess. Um, They're just trying to cause a coup, I suppose, is what's actually going on. It doesn't really delve really deep into it. 
they try to get rid of the colonel while all this is happening. And when Kanata, or no, when Tetsuo runs off to go find Akira, they straight up try to arrest the colonel. And the colonel's just like, not today of all days. This is not the time. He straight up shoots the guy that came to arrest him and just goes and is like, no, I'm in charge. Every member of the council is under arrest. Which leads to that guy having an utter freak out and dying of a heart attack in the middle of an alleyway <laughs> after killing everybody that knew that he was actually fueling the resistance. Yep, he was um, just doing it. He was working both sides just to make yep. money. Yep, just to make money. Um, it's a pretty interesting side plot. I kind of sort of wish we went a little bit more into it, like, but at the same time, there was not enough time and it really wasn't important to the plot when it comes to Tetsuo and Akira and Kaneda. Um, so Kaneda decides he's going to chase after Tetsuo with Kai. Meanwhile, as that's happening, Kai gets taken by the Espers, by Takashi specifically, who I guess has the power to just disappear and yeah. take things. Um, and you, this is where you kind of find out that Kai has Esper powers and she could potentially stop Tetsuo. And that's what they're kind of sort of banking on is that they can use Kai to stop Tetsuo. And Kaneda is going to white knight that and not let that happen, basically. <laughs> He's very upset. And um, Tetsuo makes his way to the Olympic Stadium blowing stuff up and blowing people up and just stopping bullets with his mind hello matrix and yeah, yeah this is definitely an influence yeah <laughs> yep he gets that cool cape thing blowing in the winds really awesome shots which by and the way that's um future cosplay goals for myself now it's like i just have to oh, figure yeah. out how to make the robot arm and like i'm totally doing a yeah, tetsuo well, that is that is a little bit later so <laughs> the robot arm is at least a little bit later. But anyway, Kanata, Tetsuo, they get to the stadium. Tetsuo gets to Akira, and he learns that uh, through really awesome animation, by the way. I'm really blowing past this. Uh, but he finds out that Akira is just cells yeah. put in these little jars. Pieces of Not nerve cells, tissue. I guess ner nerve tissue. I think like cerebrum and like cerebellum and his heart and mainly it is his his neurological tissue um, for what I understood because the, the neurons are basically who you are as a person if you're going to go into neurology um, but which we're not which we're not because <laughs> it's terrifying and it makes you question everything about your life because life isn't real it's an illusion um, but anyway <laughs> Wow, usually I'm the one that takes it there, but cool. You gotta remember, I did actually take neurology in college, which is why I completely understand, because All when right. you take a neurology class, you learn a lot of things that will change yep. your perspective of yep. life. Ex existence is very fragile, and everything yes. is perception here. Everything is sensation and perception, and it's mm -hmm. all kind of a lie. But it's a fun lie at least hopefully and how do go. i know that we I'm still actually, don't know what happens after so <laughs> see, how do i know i'm actually experiencing other people and all of this isn't some kind of simulation happening inside my own head the whole thing is that it actually is a simulation inside your own head 
interesting. Because you can only interpret so much. And your brain just interprets what it wants to interpret. So you know, it is. You know what my favorite little tidbit when it comes to neurosciences? The yes. fact that we're actually technically living in the past. Because of yes. the speed that things take, um, even at the speed of light, we're never actually in the present. Everything no. we're experiencing is already happened. It's just, all our brain registering what happened um the quickest way to like learn this is when you touch something that's hot it doesn't feel hot when you first touch it it feels hot after your brain realizes oh shit that's hot (laughs) exactly it's not the instant you touch it that it's hot it's when your brain recognizes it as being hot that's the best example of that um and also one of my favorite reflexes is the stop to make your brain not drop the hot thing if you don't want to drop the hot thing so um it's fun like the, like, there's a okay. there's a reflex that keeps you from biting through your own tongue or your own lip and when yes. that gets compromised you can bite through your own lip yes um yeah we could get into neuro- neurology pretty well i mean it's been a few I mean, years this, this has the makings of class, a new podcast like geek psychology geek psychology oh yeah Maybe if I go for my master's, we'll do that. <laughs> but um, anyway, Kanata gets there after Tetsuo realizes, and the colonel shouts to him too, he's dead, he's been dissected, He we wanted to figure out how he worked, so we just destroyed him, which is just, yep, that's that's how it would be, I guess, not well, scientists he, and he, all. His, his power killed him because it was too much, like his body just couldn't handle it. And they realized that the technology they had at the time wasn't really good enough to understand what actually happened. So they're like, well, we're just going to save some samples and hopefully when science advances enough, they'll like, be able to better understand and maybe do something with this information. But here's, yep. like, well, this happened and that's yep. all we could do with it at the time. <laughs> yep, pr- pretty much. Um... <sighs> so... Oh, Shikishima is the name of the colonel. There you go. All right. So Kanata gets to this Esper fight because Kai also comes in and fights Tetsuo in her Esper way. Doesn't quite win. And then Kanata just comes in with a laser rifle and is just like, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And it's just great because he's just a completely normal. I mean, I guess not completely normal because he does run a gang. But just... I mean, he has nothing more on his side other than just, like, the weird bravado that comes with that, you know? Like, yes. like I'm going to save the day. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no, this is not okay. He kind of sort of tries to talk Tetsuo down. It doesn't quite work, and I think Kanata kind of sort of realizes, okay, he needs to die. He's going to destroy the world with his powers that he can't control, and he's clearly lost it because he's just killing people left and right and with no remorse, and goes to kill him and while this is happening shikishima the colonel he fires an orbital weapon so a weapon from a satellite which was cool because i didn't even know that was happening i just saw the light beam and i was like what is happening i thought some esper technology was happening and then like laser shot they they referenced it a couple of times beforehand they're like do we have access to the what was it the soul the soul Um, yeah, which is, like, it's a cool play on words because it's, you know, soul is the sun. Sun. Um, but it's also, I think it stood for suborbital laser. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, I was like, cool. They're they're shooting yep. him. They're fighting him with the light of the sun. Basically. The light of the sun. Yeah, there you go. Which is also a 007 fill-in thing in uh, what was it? Die another day. It was, was that the one where they were doing that. It was a big mirrored satellite that would reflect the sun into like a beam. <laughs> Wait, that was the same thing for Goldeneye then, because that was a space laser also. Yes, Goldeneye was the laser, Die Another Day was... Was the actual sun. The reflection. Wow. <laughs> like a giant magnifying glass in the sky. You know, they they definitely were reaching their creative peak by that point in James Bond movies. Yeah. <laughs> Just... I love James Bond movies, though. By the way, I may be laughing at it, but I absolutely love Dobos. Oh yeah, they, they they have their 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 value to pop culture. Absolutely. Yes. Um. So. Um. Oh, what is going on? Okay, this is how Tetsuo loses his arm, and he just builds himself a robotic arm, and. They kind of sort of all pull back. Oh, he destroys soul. That's what happens. Tetsuo just like leaps into the sky and just blows up the satellite like it was nothing. Comes back down and he sits on a throne on the stadium like this is my house now. He's got little Akira and his little jars lined up behind him. I do believe our um, our. Geek's Watch friend, um, Steven, who goes by Peppermint Gentleman on the internet, he has a fan art of Tetsuo sitting on that throne with the pills and all that. Really great. You can go find it on his website, peppermintgentleman.com. If you look through all of his awesome, he also has a bunch of other awesome graphic stuff that he does. I mean, really creative, he, awesome. He also, has, he also has a t-shirt of Akira. Okay, but he didn't make the t-shirt, John. You just won Best Friend Award by, like, getting us all really awesome (laughs) t-shirts. But I was going to say, it's it's an amalgamation of Akira and Shakira. So it has the pop singer in place of Kaneda on top of the gorgeous red motorcycle. Yeah, it it is a pretty cool shirt. Um, I mean, that wasn't a thing I realized existed, but once he presented it, I'm like, of course that's a thing. And yes. it is even more awesome than I thought it would be. Oh, yeah. And you got it for him for Christmas. And then you got all of us of Geek's Watch a lot of really awesome shirts. And I very much appreciate my Burr Shot First shirt in the Star Wars text print. I was instantly like, oh, my gosh, it's Hamilton meets Star Wars in one shirt. And I love this. <laughs> hey, if there's anything I know, it's cool mashups. Oh, yeah. Um. So yeah, he he gets he's sitting on the thing and what's her face? Kaori is kind of sort of trying to get him to calm down. But it's not quite working. Um and then Shikishima comes and offers to take him back to the hospital because Tetsuo is still getting those major migraines and it's not good. Then just what happens then? Okay, and then you find out Kaneda did survive the soul attack and he's back to he decides it's time to take out Tetsuo like this is not okay he just starts shooting at him and Tetsuo loses control 
and there is no easy way to describe this, but he basically starts to turn into this big organic matter where just his gear arm and just all of that is turning to flesh and it's growing and he's growing bigger and bigger and he eventually turns into a massive fleshy baby <laughs> that is yeah. just consuming all organic matter around him including his girlfriend Kaori and Kaneda ends up inside of this fleshy baby thing too um, Kiori actually does die. Tetsuo admits and is talking to Kaneda throughout this and saying, I have no control over what my body is doing right now. Help me. He finally asks Kaneda uh, for help. I feel like I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but I cannot pronounce it. Well, um, the in, in, in English, it. for the longest time, people would pronounce it how it looks, Kaneda. Yes, but and the Japanese that's pronunciation is supposed to be Kaneda. Canada. Thank you. I knew I was saying it wrong. I'm so sorry. I've been saying it wrong this whole time. I'm sure that's been driving people wrong, but I'm literally reading it because I took phonics back in Texas when I was growing up. So I'm yeah. So not I mean, we, we reading words. We do our our e's a little differently in Canada. the King's English, you know. But yeah, it's Canada. 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 Thank you. I knew I was saying it wrong. Why didn't you correct me earlier, sir? Uh, <laughs> I'm not the anime police. Okay, but it's still important for you to pronounce things correctly. But okay. Anyway, <laughs> Kanada is like trying to talk him down, I guess. I don't even know what happens. Poor Kaori just turns into a bloody mess. And <sighs> somehow Kanada gets out of Tetsuo. He shoots his way out with that laser gun. Yes. That's what happens. He shoots his way out from the inside with a laser gun. And then the, the, the other espers are there now. Kikyo, Takashi, and whatever the third guy is. I don't even think it says his name on these notes. I haven't even seen his name. They're sitting before Akira, and I guess they decided, you know what? We'll awake Akira. Why not? <laughs> And so Akira wakes up in this vision. You see this kid. And then just this massive white, black. I mean, basically like a um, like a nuclear bomb explosion happens. This big white light pushing out everything. Kikyo saves, for whatever reason, I guess she likes him. I guess he took care of her. They save Shikishima and tell him to go. They teleport him to a tunnel. Stay here, you'll be safe. And Takashi tries to save Kaneda. And... But Kaneda's like, no, Tatsuo's there. Whatever. And he ends up going into the light with Tatsuo. And Takashi and Kikyo and the third guy, I'm sorry, third guy, um, <laughs> they decide they're going to go into the light as well to help Kaneda so that, I don't know, he can survive because he, he's been nice, I guess. And <laughs> you get this. As they go through the light, you get that Neo-Tokyo is being destroyed. 
and the people that are inside the light that I guess have survived it, like Kaneda and the other espers and Tetsuo are kind of sort of going through their own memories and Kaneda is starting to understand Tetsuo as is where you get more of the flashbacks of Tetsuo's childhood and and Kaneda also learns more about Akira and the other espers and how they were raised and he ends up surviving the explosion and the rest of the espers disappear so all the espers Tetsuo, Takashi, Akira and the other kid I can't remember the name of all disappear and Kai finds Kaneda and Kaneda's friend too finds him as well he completely brushed over his friend that helped him out for a bit and they drive off into the now destroyed Neo Tokyo into the future yep waiting to see what holds uh, yep on the horizon yes Oh, also the mad scientist guy that works for the government died within this. The guy that did the blood light show thing dies. Um, yeah. Then um, I think we end up seeing some kind of trippy sequence of like outer space. Yeah, it's an implied Big Bang, I think, actually. And then Tetsuo says, I am Tetsuo. I am Tetsuo. Big Bang. Like Tetsuo is building his own universe, I guess. It's like, oh. Yeah, like a whole universe got created out of all of that, possibly. That um, well, power. Yeah, which I felt like it was that because when they were talking about amoeba power, because when they're going through the amoeba thing, like we technically all come from amoebas in space. That is like our purest I don't want to say a purist form, but we're all atomic amoebas that have developed into these fleshy neuron things and more complex <laughs> we, amoebas, basically. We, start, we, we started as space amoebas and now we have jobs and anxiety. I know, right? Can I, can I go back to being just a space amoeba floating on some rock, please? Just orbiting. Ugh. But, um... And I got that the explosion wasn't, it wasn't radiation. It was like black matter or dark matter was what I was getting at. Everything turned to darkness. It was, yeah, it was matter like itself. Kind of, yeah. Yes. So that's where it's like, it's a big bang type thing, I guess. Making it, the making of a universe. The one thing they kept on repeating in this movie was like everybody had the esper powers in some way which reminds me of everybody is in touch with the force but <laughs> if you just try hard enough but um but if the blood test reveals your midi-chlorian counts high enough you could be akira level powerful. yes you could be okay you, you could be the chosen one that's meant to bring balance to the force sorry um <laughs> i mean it's balanced if there's none left you know that's kind of kind of keeps it i either. mean <laughs> I do like that meme of like where well, Anakin killed all the Jedi so that there's only two left and then there's only two Sith left so how is it not balanced? <laughs> I mean interpretation is everything right? 
I like, well, what does it mean exactly? What Who wrote that prophecy? Balance don't sound like a good idea. But uh, <laughs> that's another podcast all in itself. So, like, I get the, the bigger picture of this thing. I just wanted so much more. And this is where you get that there is so much more. The manga is, like, significantly longer than the movie. Twice more stories still left, yeah. Yes. Kind of touching up on that a little bit. From that video that I sent you, it says Mm -hmm. that the movie roughly stops at about the halfway point. Yes. Where in the manga, all of that happens pretty much the same, except that you don't have Tetsuo and uh, Akira... Well, Akira does reappear, but Tetsuo doesn't die or turn into that big monster, at least not mm-hmm. at this point. At this point, yeah. the Akira... Akira is alive. He's not yes. in a bunch of pieces. He's alive as a little child, and he yes. sort of and tries he to take over. Becomes, yeah, he becomes like a, like a, a yes. warlord himself. We should probably, since we're talking about it so much, we should probably plug the video that you sent me. Um, so, yeah, there's a YouTube channel called Cinefix, which I love. It's great. It has so many cool videos on it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those particular things that they do is they like to talk about the difference between the book adaptations and the a- the movies that they're based on. I and, enjoy that, um, yeah. So, yeah, and they like to point out, well, like, what did they get right? What was different? What works better? Um for instance, like Fight Club, they talk about how it's almost a one-to-one for the most part. The uh-huh. only real big difference is the ending, um, but that the ending really works for the cinematic version of it, whereas the yeah. book is a little bit more ambiguous. For this one, um, the, what's the difference with Akira? Yeah, it, there's, it, it's basically just half the story. So... This could have been essentially a Snyder Cut that's four hours to yeah. give us a lot more. And man, apparently a lot more stuff happens. There's a lot more characters, characters that we only see little bits and pieces of, including the old guy that was kind of playing both sides and kind of working with the rebels, but secretly yeah. was like tra- betray- betraying them. Um, I, I guess there's a whole lot more having to do with him and a bunch of characters that weren't even included in the in the anime simply for time mm-hmm. reasons. Like some of their parts were kind of just distributed amongst other characters. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's essentially, it's, it's a saga. Like this thing is long. Yeah. It's I think they said it's something around 2,000 pages, mm-hmm. um, just... which they said uh, if it was a regular comic book issue released once a month, it would have taken like eight years to like go to through the whole thing. Pages. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, long. so basically Tetsuo kind of works for Akira. Like he becomes his biggest like devoted follower. Um, at some point, he rebels against Akira. Uh, Kaori kind of has a slightly worse fate in the manga than the, um, the movie. Yeah, I didn't quite love how she is in the manga, where she's not quite a girlfriend. She's more like a sex slave, apparently. Hey, but that happens in uh, dictatorships and in lawless environments, unfortunately. I mean, I mean it yes, happens to dudes, too, let's be honest. But, yeah, it's yes. not a good thing either way. You it's don't not... see it as much in cinema that it happens to dudes, too. This though, is true. You? This is true. Uh, I'm all for equal degradation of both sexes. If we're going to have it, let's just be equal about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but it's no, like, why don't we have more... Actually. 
why don't we have more penises in cinema? <laughs> Not that we need them, but we have female boobs and sometimes the other stuff. Why are men's privates that much more sacred that we can't show them in mainstream culture or entertainment? Honestly, it's because they're ugly, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's not the point. <laughs> I know that's not the point. I mean, maybe like maybe they could put some Botox or something on them, like smooth them out Botox. a little. Botox. Touch them up. Oh no! Why well, did they, they go they took, there? They took the wrinkles out. Oh my god! I can't even say to something else right now. Um. <laughs> uh, what? Well. How about some of its uh, long-lasting impacts in pop culture? Did you know okay. that there is an episode of South Park called Trapper Keeper in which Cartman is obsessed? <laughs> 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 yeah, there's an episode where Cartman's obsessed with his Trapper Keeper. Um, okay. And that's because it's like computer controlled. It's basically got like it's just like a smart device that happens uh-huh. to also be a folder. Um, okay. but it becomes so advanced that it actually sucks Cartman in and he morphs into that giant baby thing that Akira turns into. Almost exactly the same oh, okay. look of it. I feel it's like I've seen this, yeah. Yeah, okay. probably. I think there's been some memes about it in the past. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I've I have watched a little bit of South Park, not all of it, but a few seasons here and there. Um, I haven't kept up. It's like The Simpsons. I remember watching it a lot more in the 90s, and then it just yeah. kind of dropped off for me. Yeah, they still make The Simpsons. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's South Park, too. They still Park make South Park. <laughs> yeah. At this point, there's more episodes of those two series that I haven't seen than that I, that I have. And that just feels weird to me. I was like, this show's been around, um, well, Simpsons longer, obviously, but The Simpsons has been around like 30 plus years now. That's yeah. insane. Simpsons That's is as old as ridiculous. I ridiculous. <laughs> wow. Well, a little bit older, I think. Well, I mean, that's how I feel with, like, Empire Strikes Back, too, and other things. But, um, yeah, so there was also a video game on the Super Nintendo. It was a popular series in Japan, again, because Japanese culture, I think, gravitates oh. more towards this kind of thing. Um, in the U.S., it wasn't very popular. It was called Earthbound. Earthbound, okay. It's on the, if you have the NES Classic, or the SNES Classic, rather, the one they mm-hmm. released a few years ago with, like, 30 games or something in it. Um, yeah, right, right. It's, it's in there. Um, it's a game that wasn't popular for many reasons. It's basically a JRPG, so it's very similar to games like Final Fantasy, um, <gasps> you know, like, okay. turn-based combat. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But this one is it's, weird. It's got NES in it. Yes, that's where NES yes. comes from. He's in Super Smash Bros. That's right. He's, <laughs> so he's, one of the, he's one of the secret characters from starting from the very first game. So the reason why NES is kind of a pop culture staple for Nintendo, primarily uh-huh. in Japan, is because Earthbound is... Imagine if Akira and Pokemon were combined. Oh, that sounds like fun. It, if they took apparent- out all the trauma. <laughs> well... There's there's emotional trauma. So oh, that's worse. This this game <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> this game starts off really simple. You're in suburbia. You have your friends kind of following you. You fight mm-hmm. simple things like street signs or like stray dogs. You know, like you the fight usual the street sign. <laughs> yes, it's 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 actually it's actually kind okay. of trippy. Um, again, that's just one of those weird cultural things. There's like, hey, anything can be an enemy, but it gets weird Mm. and when i mean weird i mean like 
2001 a space odyssey combined with like akira combined with like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind kind of weird i mean okay and this is a kids game this game as as dense as the plot was for akira which Mm -hmm. i think has had the most complex plot of all the va's chess gems that we've done so far everything else is pretty simple or easy to summarize this one's like a lot of shit happens (laughs) yeah um this game a lot of shit happens Uh to the point where i think at the end and this happens in a lot of japanese games so it's not like an original thing but like the fact that this is a kid's game and one of i think the last boss is you have to fight not god but the concept of god itself Well, it's that like, was that's Akira. It's the it's not God, but it's the concept of God, which is why yeah. you go, oh, it's dark matter. Got it. Yeah, like <laughs> it's an it's a non corporeal form, but like it moves in the background and mm-hmm. it kind of looks like a fetus. So like the idea of like babies is fairly prominent, I guess, babies. when it comes to this yes. kind of <laughs> babies. And uh, <laughs> like there's there's one particular part of the game where you have to go into your own mind and you're visiting your past. And you run into, like, a younger version of yourself. Uh-huh. And he basically says, oh, this is, um, these are ba- uh, inside out. It's like inside out. Where okay. they meet Bing Bong. Bing Bong. Bing Bong. Oh, okay. yeah. Yes. It, it's like that. <laughs> it, it's like that. So if you know what I'm talking about when I say it's like they meet Bing Bong. Oh. Yes. That happens in his memories. Basically, they're like, oh, like, we only exist in your memories now, and when you're gone, we'll be gone, or something like that. And I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. (laughs) So, yeah, like, there's a lot of really heavy introspective stuff. Um, It's great that this works on the surface level because of the beautiful animation. It's Mm. got some good voice acting. But, Mm. man, it, it really just hits some of those, like, meta, like, physical things that like at my I don't know what was it 15 16 the first time I saw this movie I was not prepared for no it's it's a great and wonderful movie it's filmed so well it's not cinematography when it comes to anime but the shots are really well done yeah it's very I mean it's very cinematic yeah yes like no other animation outside of Disney was even coming close to this, and oh, at no. the time, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's... even Disney was doing some stuff because this came out eighty eight. Oh, so this was right before, right when Disney started hitting their renaissance. Yeah. So really, this... up till now, Disney was not doing very well, um, <laughs> no. and was not. <laughs> this is the part of time that we this... don't talk about. Yeah. Yeah, Akira stuff. So Ariel came out. 87 or 89 i can't remember uh, akira was 88 and i think the akira renaissance really began with like little mermaid at like 89 right around i think it was 89 yeah that sounds about right i saw Which it I, in theaters <laughs> i did look it up and i am a year younger than the simpsons the simpsons is 31 years old and okay i am 30 um let's see okay. but you are as old as ice ice baby <laughs> yes yes i am Yes, uh, Little Mermaid was 89. So, yeah. So, right before the Disney Renaissance. But, uh, yeah, I feel like people like went to this in theaters thinking it was like a cartoon and then came out like 10 minutes later. Like, what am I? They either left utterly scared or they stayed and were like utterly amazed and became anime ads and started 
watching all the animes and the 90s boom and Studio Ghibli and Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon, which <laughs> still does stuff today. Oh, I did want to mention another quick reference that mm-hmm. uh, kind of I didn't notice it until now. In the manga, mm-hmm. uh, Akira tells Tetsuo to go punch the moon just because. Oh, like, right. that apparently there was no real reason. Go punch the moon. Yeah. And okay. so Tetsuo does it, and the way that it's drawn is huh. exactly the way that they show it in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I was like, That's... wait a minute, this looks familiar. Yeah, he went up and punched the moon for me. Yeah, and actually the graphic novel uh, of Scott Pilgrim borrows a lot from akira a lot like a lot of the well, doesn't it borrow a lot from a lot of mangas though <laughs> oh yeah but i mean like i mean in context to this one there's definitely some heavy akira references in the graphic novel especially mm-hmm. with the whole uh biomechanical thing i think one of the evil exes turns into that kind of monster with like the robot arms and all that kind of stuff at some point i forget which one it was i want to say it was todd ingram the bass player oh, okay because yeah, uh, the movie, the movie does uh, like differentiate quite a bit with some of the fights and some of the characterizations. But that yeah, uh, I think the the graphic novel is definitely a good companion for it. Again, it's like, what's the difference? You know, like that. I think there's a episode of that show for that one also. Hmm. All right. Check them out. Um, I think that's all I have to say about Akira. It it's great. I do Remake? not think it. Mm, no, I don't want. I, don't, mm. I just want a part two. I just want them to do the whole story, or like maybe a series. I don't. It's treasure. I don't necessarily I, want them to just rewrite the movie. Though, well, for better or worse, there have been several attempts to make Akira in live action mm-hmm. over the past. I want to say twenty, twenty-five years, and almost See, every time. Almost action, every no. time, it's well. See, it gets worse because not only do they want to make it in live action, they want to make it based in the U.S. with an all-white cast. Ew, gross. So. Okay, <laughs> I watched a. Um, ooh, I'm gonna blank on the name of it right now. Oh, it was really popular. Ugh, last no, two years ago. There was an anime that came out like two or three years ago, really popular, and like it did really well in America. What was it? Between the two of us? No, I can't. The Great Between? No, I feel like Between is in there. I'm probably completely off on it. It was a gorgeous anime about this boy and this girl that switch bodies. And she lives in rural Japan, and he lives in, like, Tokyo. And they switch bodies, and they can't figure out why, but they, like, write notes to each other or whatever, and do rules or whatever, and, of course, they end up falling in love, and it's totally awesome. Really wish I remembered what it was called. I can picture the poster, but I can't, like, put the words in there because I have really bad memory when it comes to things like that. Um, Was it your name? Yes, it was your name. Wow, between? Where was I at? Anyways, yes, it was your name. (laughs) Your name. And the first thing they did was, like, we're going to make this in America. And I'm like, 
How? Because the difference between rural they Japan... They already did. It was called uh, the hot chick. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. You need to go and watch your name right now, by the way. It's really great. Uh, Steven also enjoys it. You should go watch it. Um, it has a plot twist. You might not see it coming, but... You should go watch it. I know it was on Prime, but I think it was for rent on Prime. I don't know if it's on anything now. It's been a few years since I watched it. But um, the, the first thing they want to do was do it in America. But I'm like, rural Japan is significant. And Tokyo, they're very different than how like L.A. versus a rural town in America would be different. Like, it's not a very balanced difference like there's no way they could actually make this film set in america and have it make sense because of the traditions yeah. that are set in the japanese culture you know what's funny japan could uh, do a live action of it though <laughs> <laughs> i've always thought to myself like man if i win the powerball which i'm still planning to someday i want to make one of the things i want to make uh, definitely want to become like a hotshot producer i want to make yes. a live action saint seiya um, yeah. Except I want to do it. Um, so Saint Seiya wasn't super popular in the U.S., but it took Latin America by storm. Um, it was dubbed in Spain. Um, oh, some, I've seen I've seen pictures of it. Yes. Saint Saint Seiya. Yeah. The Knights um, of the, the Zodiac. Yeah, I love those guys. Those the, the, that anime is so cool. Um, uh, not quite edge lordy. It's just very melodramatic, um, and I've always thought to myself, because I saw it in Spanish. I saw a Spanish dub of it, and the Spanish mm -hmm. voice actors were like literals, like from Spain. Like the production company that did it. Oh, that's cool. The the theme song in Spanish is like night and day compared to the original Japanese like song uh -huh. it, it, it you yeah. can't even compare you're like how do you get this from that like it's so weird so different but i've always thought to myself like if i become a crazy eccentric millionaire or billionaire that'd be better yeah um i would make a live action saint seiya aka okay. knights of the zodiac but i would make it all in spanish just because because i want to do that i want to be that extra like no forget english okay, i'll still have I'll see if I can get like a Japanese dude to be the main character, but it's a multinational cast. You have like a couple of white guys in there, somebody that's like I think Chinese, and yes. um, you know. But they all have to be okay, speaking. Okay, slow down. <laughs> all right. They all have you to be speaking all, proper Spanish. A lot of ethnicities in there, but you want them all speaking proper Spain Spanish, so Espanol. Like Cas Castilian Spanish, yes. Castilian. Okay, that's what you call Castilian Spanish. All ethnicity. The Zodiac. I have not seen it. I have heard of it, though, and have heard it was wonderful. I don't hate the idea of the Zodiac being represented by all ethnicities, though. It gets better. So And it being in Spanish is not a bad thing. I the, Romo well, and, won and, and, for the Oscars. Like, you can and that's only because, like I said, like it, it was super like you don't understand how popular this thing was in like spanish-speaking territories not just mexico okay. like you know spain south america like a lot okay. of places fell in love with this show i don't know why i think it because it's it, it it was almost like watching a soap opera but for like boys that also like violence and like crazy over the top like 
you know, anime battles. Um, you know, like girls also like violence, by the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely some of that, um, but like it just hit a certain nerve that prior to this, I feel like like this it found an like an audience that didn't even know it needed it. And so yeah. I figured, you know, it would only make sense if, because American audiences would be like, this thing is stupid, you know? Um, <laughs> but one of the things I like about it is because not only does it involve um, Greek mythology, because yes, all of the zodiac signs feature into it in some form or another. There's a lot of tie to mm-hmm. Greek gods. As a matter of fact, Ooh. one of the main characters is supposed to be the reincarnation of the goddess Athena. Um, okay. But okay. in the story... Because it turns out that all of this Greek history stuff turns out to be real. Yes. There's this weird combination of Catholicism with Greek uh-huh. mythology. So they basically become one and yes. the same. Okay. So like all of this Greek mythology and Catholicism is ruled over by the Pope. It's kind of bizarre, I've, but it, it, it makes sense once you start watching it. I've got it. Um, you should watch... If you like the Catholicism stuff, meeting with like supernatural stuff, you should watch Blue Exorcist. I think that's what it's called. It's a really good anime. I've, it's got I've two seasons on. Yes, it's fun. I love it. Um, <laughs> we have officially done one of our after the podcast conversations within the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes, go watch Blue Exorcist. And if hey, this you, just became an overtime as a I bonus. I know, basically. I guess it became an overtime bonus. Um, uh, if if you are a person listening to this who hasn't gotten into the world of anime because it's big and it's intimidating, I highly suggest delving into anime. It's a lot like any other entertainment where there's a lot of different genres, a lot of different writing styles. There is what you call a slice of life, which is basically like it's a slice of life kind of thing where there's nothing crazy special about it. It's just, you know, high schoolers going to high school and going on dates and stuff. Um one of my favorite ones of Slice of Life is probably, I think it's called Maid Sama, um, is really awesome. And But then there's also crazy awesome sci-fi in it. There's crazy awesome fantasy. It's a lot of crazy, complex stories with these beautiful animations behind it, these beautiful scripts and writing and complex emotions. And it's, it's animation for adults but there is also kid stuff by the way but like it's very much no it's not cartoons it is beautiful artwork beautiful <laughs> stories definitely if, get into anime if you're nostalgic for the 90s and also like arcades watch uh, high score girl yeah high score yeah, girl I- High score girl. Yes. That, that one thing. is fantastic. I really yes. enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I would. And I was like, I binged it because it was that yeah. good. So, although Kira definitely, like, was a lot in two hours on me, I am definitely so happy that Akira existed back in 1998 that it became, that it came over to America and that it got enough popularity behind it to launch a sort of 90s boom of animation, which launched the late 90s and 2000 booms of anime in America. And yeah, it's just one of those movies that led to a bunch of other awesome things and inspired a bunch of other awesome things. And it's a classic. It is a gem. And... 
it is definitely bloody as well. <laughs> and it's violent. But Hey, and animated boobies. And that, that that too. Not consenting anime boobies, though. I, I must say there was no consent within the showing of those boobs. I'm trying to think. Where do they have consenting animated boobs now? Heavy metal, maybe? <laughs> you need to watch more anime. <laughs> <laughs> I really, don't, I really don't watch that much, unfortunately. Like I said, I, I watch stuff that was on TV, like, and then I kind of just stopped. So, yeah. You should definitely... But isn't it um, HBO Max, I think, is tied to Crunchyroll? So you should have a lot of access to some good animes. I could How about I could this? Listen, some good animes. Listeners? Dr. Stone yes, I, is a great one. And for all your listeners out there, you can at me on Twitter. Tell me which is the best uh, animated boobies uh, animes I should be watching. Yes. Go ahead. Tweet at John. Where can they tweet at you, John? I'm glad you asked. So I am available on the Twitters uh, as at Magic Bollocks. And you can find me on Twitter as at JM Bailey Writes. Tell me what anime are you watching? Because I have kind of sort of stopped watching anime for a bit because of time reasons but i kind of want to delve back into that magical awesome world of anime so let me know what you're watching um archives of this podcast and other podcasts that we are on such as the geeks watch currently watching shadow and bone on netflix um you can find these at geekelitemedia.com that's our website if you want to just talk at us you can tweet us or find us on instagram as at geekelitemedia um, we are also on facebook.com forward slash geekily media. Um, if you have a couple dollars to spare, we are on Patreon as forward slash geekily media. We have a lot of bonus content on there and behind the scenes stuff as well. Um, and I do believe we also do questionnaires for you guys to, uh, you know, tell us or what you would like us to talk about next within geekily media. Um, Wherever you are listening to this, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us a lot. And until then, always remember to geek Geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. 